0: Gaming NBS, episode 243, coming to you May 19th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad to have everybody here. How you doing, Sean? Doing fantastic, Brad. I killed a character this weekend. Did you? So did I. Yay! Yay! Cheers all the way around.
1: Was yours uh, your son's character?
0: Was it my son's character? Yeah, I killed killed AJ's guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. He got knocked knocked down, and Alana's character is trying to lead the fire giant out of the cave. And as it sends the lesser Fomorian to go chase down Alana's character, I said the fire giant looks at AJ's body, and AJ goes.
0: It steps on my head to make sure that I'm dead.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, it's weird because I have a um, literally a ten person party this past weekend, and a player Car- player 10, was
1: out. Ten character or ten?
0: 10- Sorry. 10 character party. Okay,
1: cuz that's different. I've run games for like 13-15 people. That's a lot.
0: 10 character party and one person was out. Uh-huh. And then they also summon monsters. <laughs> so, that's... I'm getting a little tired of them walking through. their 6th level, and <clears throat> if you throw a CR whatever at them,
1: CR 52, you get yeah, kill some PCs, man. Yeah. You got think of the poor monsters. I know. Think of the monsters. They have rights, too. Yeah. Oh, I bought a new bow. That was cool.
0: Wow. It's the best shopping experience you've ever had.
1: Yeah, it was. That was amazing. The guys at uh, Papa's Trading Post out in Arena. Papa's Wisconsin. Trading Post. In case anybody in the Wisconsin area wants to go to the world's best Matthews archery dealer ever. These guys are amazing. It was great. Amazing. Yeah. The only thing that comes close is when Sock Prairie used to have the Harley shop and um this was even better than that the guys at sock were amazing but they're not there anymore and i don't ride bikes anymore so anyhow this was awesome it was very very fun
0: well that's fantastic brett yes we should move on so we don't bore these people to death
1: oh but hunting talk fun Uh anyway moving on (laughs) gaming talk that's what we're here for all right so
0: let's see here
1: (sighs) awesomedice.com we still doing that is that still cooking
0: um, it is the la- I think the last month is May to do that. But James Sweetland, um, you're probably a little bit behind listening, but you did win for April. So let awesome. us know if it's okay to pass your email along to awesome dice. And if you'd like to win a set of awesome, excuse me, awesome dice, then you will go to our website at gamingnbs.com. You will find the field for entering your email into our email list not to be confused with our contact list or contact us. And then once you are on our email list, we will have a drawing at the end of the month for you to win a free set of dice from Awesome Dice. Um I believe the qualified countries are Australia, America, UK, Canada, mm, maybe New Zealand. Um so for those that are not in those countries, I apologize. Cool. Um so GameWolcon.com.
1: yes i have 3 events in they've all been approved <laughs> so let's see here friday november 1st at 1300 hours uh, butcher baker candlestick maker is going that's an av- all three of these are avalon games saturday at 1300 hours is Vera's wrath and then, um, let's see here, Thursday at 1,300 hours. All right, I got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, perfect, perfect, it is a fish story, so all three of those. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm running. What wow. Do? I,
0: how about all the games you submitted, Sean? How well, are those doing? I'm waiting for Mr. Corey Welsh to, to submit my game for me, which I will be running and involved in. The Great Gatsby? Gatsby, the Great Cthulhu, race. The, Yes. That's being the great race. I am reading the adventure currently right now as we speak. And so I will be a part of that. And I, I don't know if they're only going to run one round of it or not. Since it's on Halloween, I, you know, I don't know if Corey's like ambitious enough to run two rounds, but we'll see. Oof. Yeah. If you're not familiar with that and haven't heard what that is about in the last game or the last episodes, when I was at GaryCon, it's a multi table up to probably 32 person event um it is quite i i've heard call of cthulhu aficionados like Forrester gary say it's the best gaming experience he's ever had yes he has indeed said that and i will uphold that reputation ladies and gentlemen well of course you will yeah
1: so we'll have a link in the show notes for this as well but just so we don't accidentally forget uh friend of our show friend of sean and i david Beatty, oh, has yes. a kickstarter dark trails <clears throat> so speaking of really fun amazing you know like Cthulhu type stuff. So it's in that weird rest genre weird west genre. It is fun. I have played it. I've got the t-shirt literally. It is a damn good game. David's a great guy. And uh I was I aming him on Facebook. I said, You're an asshole. And he said, Why? I said, Cause, uh you needed twelve grand and you're already at twenty four six. So he's got twenty seven days to go as of today the nineteenth. But uh yeah, he's already making he said, You're already more successful than I was. Damn you. <laughs> A different It's a different build-up and whatnot. But anyway, um, congrats to Dave for that. I think if all goes well, Sean, you and I are going to have him on the show because I'd like to talk a little bit about Westerns um, as a genre. And I want to kind of stick as we tend to. We'll get him on to talk about the Western genre, Weird West, and so on, and give him a chance to talk a little bit about Kickstarter, but mostly to focus on the Western. So anyway, that is coming. Um, let's see. Oh, and evercon.org. Go out there. Take a look at that. It's in January, and people always say, Oh, January, it's a long way off. But if you get your plans in now, you get your game submitted, you start figuring shit out, you will have a hell of a lot easier time, um, you know, making those plans actually happen. So, anyway, uh, plan now. Get yourself ready. Go out to evercon.org, and uh hope to see you there.
0: Sean, anything else new, crazy that we mm. need to talk about? No, not till like. Dyro and all the rest of the stuff we've got to cover. Perfect. All right. All right. Let's get into Random Encounter. This is where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. The first one we have out of the gates is a voicemail from Chris of House Shorb. Let on me.
2: Hey, Brent and Sean. It's Chris Shorb. How are you guys? Uh, Just listening to your episode on Meta. Currencies in the game, and uh, I thought maybe the name wasn't really sounded. Uh, it felt like you guys just talked about inspiration in D and D, uh, and not so much talking about the other currencies and what it is that makes a currency work, how it drives behavior uh, on the players' part. Um, that notwithstanding, I found it to be a very interesting episode. I got some uh, good ideas about it to apply to my own D and D game. Um, and uh, one of the things that I was thinking about is the whole point of the, the inspiration not flowing. And I think that's something I'm going to try in my next game. And I'm really going to push my players to, to – I'm going to start giving them inspiration. Uh, and if they don't have – if but they can only have one because that's the part that's in the rules. Uh, and that will make them realize that they have inspiration. I'm also going to give them – I like the idea of uh, – having a bunch of D20s that are all the same, some garish color, or maybe some, you know, that are just different from their dice. So they realize, hey, that when I spend that die, I get to get advantage. Anyways, I thought it was a great episode. not uh, correctly named. And, uh, you know, as always, Brett and Sean, are doing great work. Thanks. Bye.
0: All right, then.
1: No, that was good stuff. Yeah, it was, when we got going, we... The original question we had for our listener was around inspiration in meta currencies and so we kind of drifted to the D&D 5e more. <clears throat> we probably and I know we referenced other systems but not nearly as heavily. So fair point Mr. Shore, but I'm glad you enjoyed it for what it's worth even though we had a shitty name. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it man. And uh, it's always good to hear from you. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks Chris. You can read the first one.
0: All right, let me just drop this quick in this so I can pull it up later. All right, uh, Nick of House Hopkins coming coming out of the back catalog at episode one seventy five and one seventy seven. Holy That's crap! A little trip down memory lane for us, Brett. What did we do back then, gentlemen? I have, as requested, started at episode one and I'm making my way forward.
1: Brave, man. Brave, brave, man. Some of those earlier episodes as Sean has pointed out to me sound like hell. So thank you for doing so.
0: I haven't felt the need to write in, but there were a few episodes clustered together that both made me want to speak up. Those episodes, episodes were 175 hidden hit points and 177 adversarial GMing. Ooh, I'm going to come out on the hidden hit points are bad side. Not bad in every situation, but bad for 5th edition D&D. So we should probably lay some context down. Do you remember that episode, Brett?
1: Mm, Vaguely. The idea was characters and players don't necessarily know how many hit points they have. Not even just the monster, but it's, it's more descriptive in nature. You're hit, you're wounded, you are bloodied, using terms like that so that you would say, wow... Sounds like I'm in rough shape. Yeah, you're dragging your left leg, your right arm's numb from the elbow down, your shield arm is wobbling, you're starting to see double. Do you think you want to stand there and let the giant hit you again? That type of thing. Right.
0: So he says, not bad in every situation, but bad for 5th edition D&D. One of the things that frustrates me most about 5e is that you can take enough damage to fall down, apparently dying on the ground when your hit points reach 0 After a quick rest, one hour or so, you are back up in fighting order. Up and in fighting order. Even without narrative hit points, I find it very hard to narrate what is happening in combat. You can narrate a horrendous wound to the gut that the character grabs before falling unconscious, but that wound, stated for narrative effect during combat, has absolutely no mechanical interaction with that character or the system once those hit points are recovered. And hit points are recovered very quickly in 5e. Adding, hit, uh, adding hidden hit points on top of a system that is not emulating actual wound damage, just asking hit points to do more of what they aren't supposed to do. Sure, you can narrate wounds for flavor, but the hit points mechanics, as written, does nothing to support you with this, nor does it incur- engage the mechanics beyond saying you are closer to being out of a fight. Let's face it, the chances of dying in 5e uh, fight are approaching zero. Huh. I disagree with that. I, um. As soon as they're down in at Zero, you hit them. Yeah, that's how I kill them. That's you, how you kill characters in 5e. When they're down, you go over and squish their face and do and, one and point track, of damage.
1: And track exhaustion. You can die yes. from exhaustion. Yes. Seriously, it's bam,
0: bam, bam, fucking dead. Well, you are tired to death. So that gives me, just to go off on a side tangent about exhaustion, uh, Brett. So I have two characters in my Tomb of Annihilation campaign, the old guy campaign, I'll, I'll call it. That's the face-to-face one with old buddies of mine. And one of them, they're a father-son player relationship. And one is, they're both paladins. One's wearing chain mail and one's wearing plate mail in the middle of a jungle. So I'm like, yep. Every hour, level of exhaustion. So I got them up to the point of exhaustion with level three, disadvantage on all attack rolls. <laughs> disadvantage. Um, and at that point, they are half speed, and they are also disadvantage on skill checks and ability checks. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So, But going back to killing somebody in 5e, you kill them, and if you have an intelligent creature and you want to make sure they're dead, you just go over there, do one point of damage. Boom, two two death saves, gone gone then they take more damage two death saves gone dead finished end of end of story that's just for that's that's me i
1: don't the other thing now i I agree with you the other thing i'll throw out there is my buddy nick does this in his uh 5e game there are rules for gritty healing and damage there are no short rests in nick's game
0: oh okay long rest
1: equals short rest So, again, is it by the original core rules? No. But it is an alternate way to go about it. There's also rules in some of the other books, um, Xanthos Guide, I think, and a few others that are out there. Maybe it's Mordenkain's. Anyway, um, Lasting Wounds are out there. Oh, yeah. Um, There are ways to amp up the grit, right, to make it a little more oomphy. So you can do you could do something with you could take the narrative. Is it is it as good as what perhaps we may have talked about back at episode 175? Probably not. Sean I were pretty on the ball back in those days, much so than we are now. But anyway, um there is more in there that is rules based, actually has mechanical interaction, which I think it Nick is what you're what you're looking for. And and I don't slight you for that at all, dude, because that is a really we've talked about this before. If if it's only a narrative and it doesn't impact the mechanics, sometimes this stuff has a hard time biting, right? Really impacting the gameplay in general. So I totally understand the reason to do it. And um, the more I I game, the more I like to have some kind of a mechanical impact. But anyway, there, there are options out there. And if you are playing 5e and want to gritty it up a touch, I would suggest you do look into those.
0: For episode 177, adversarial GMing, I came up with a definition for this and I figured I would share it with you. If you would rather keep the world closer to what is real instead of showcasing your PCs, you are an adversarial GM. If the opposite is true, then you are not an adversarial GM. I think this splits adversarial versus non-adversarial pretty decently, but it does cast a wider net over game masters who are adversarial. There are games where reality should take precedence over your characters. Playing these in, the, in this manner is not being a bad GM. As is almost always the case, context matters. If you are playing in a superhero game and the game master is bogging you down with minute details that are impacting your ability to engage with the genre, if you are playing a resource-driven post-apocalyptic game and the GM insists that it has to be on your character sheet or you don't have it, The GM is leaning into the genre, making a story to craft an awesome story about your characters mean that everyone is on the same side, making a story where these characters are antagonized by the setting is adversarial. These, there are places for both kinds of games. The trick as a GM and as a player is not to step in the way of whatever genre convention you are trying for. Sure. I, I, yeah, that makes sense to me. That's a good way to go. I mean, yeah. part
1: of these discussions that Sean and I have when it comes down to, hey, here's a term, here's a phrase. <sighs> We're trying to figure this out too, right? Because we'll hear something. Ah, yes, clearly that's high fantasy. That's very low fantasy. And you actually sit and talk to people, the men and women you're gaming with, and like, that's not high fantasy. High fantasy is X. You're like, well, I wouldn't really call that high fantasy. And um, genre criticism and stuff in literature, people say, well, you know, Game of Thrones is clearly X type of literature versus this other type versus dune versus whatever some people have said that dune is space opera and clearly that's stupid in my opinion but i don't somebody somewhere probably has a what they feel is a good reason for a definition to stick which is all the more reason to have open communications at the table and say hey i'm gonna run this type of game instead of oh yes yes nod and nod nod back up what this type of game is or how you like to play with descriptions and ideas and definitions as we have here from Nick. And you're going to, you're going to go farther. Your crew going to look at you and say, Oh, that's what you mean by that. No, I don't like that. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude, I'm in. I, I really like that stuff. Let's go. And I think, um, the more you do not assume that that's what the players and the game master believe to be true, you know, start with a, uh, Start with a uh, an agreed-upon definition of those things. That's a good way to go. Anyway, sorry.
0: I have defined good players as people who push narrative in a direction appropriate to the genre they are playing. Players who violate the narrative or the genre that is agreed upon by everyone at the table are adversarial. I would also say they are being selfish assholes. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Sorry, I ran long there. Feel free to split this up into smaller chunks. I'm almost caught up on all the podcasts, and appreciate all the work you guys put into this. Nick, thanks, Nick. Thanks for but, writing in, buddy.
1: Been no, writing. absolutely. Thank you for sticking with us for that long, too. I really
0: appreciate it. And nice you, to you know, it is hard to kill people in Five E, but you just it got is. you just got to put your mind to it. That's all you got to do, Nick. Just wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to the table today. Today is the day. Today's the day. You just gotta just if you like. I don't know, have a vision board, you know, one dead character, and you'll be surprised. It will actually come true. It will come true. <laughs> Honestly, with
1: games, I've, I've thought about this more and more when people say, oh, you can't kill anybody in new games today. Whatever the hell, again, definition what that means. Look at the rules and um, really dig into them. The conditions in 5e, look at what it takes. Like, oh, guy's poisoned. The poison gives him three levels of exhaustion. I just took him to zero oh, he's dead, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, like, oh, wow, five levels of exhaustion plus a critical hit. Oh, some bitch, he has gone. You know, it, it can happen. So sometimes it's not just hitting them until they're at negative enough hit points. The uh, death save is not the only, is not the um, get out of jail free card. The other thing to do is, um, the reason Joe Magnella has death saves is he has, like, the grindhouse version, if you go to his website, I believe he still has that posted out there. It's the the hard version of Death Saves. So there's options out there. All right. Good Lord. What do we got here? George from House Sedgwick contacting us. Hey, uh, here's a question. Maybe it's one to talk about on the podcast one day. I was listening to another gaming podcast. All right, George. Fess up. Who who you listen to besides us? You're cheating on us, and we need to know. Let's just come clean. Anyway, um, in case you want to listen, he says it's the smart party and an episode on D&D 5e. All right, George, I forgive you. It's okay. It's okay. We, we can work through this, George. Sorry. You can listen to other podcasts. We'll just get over it. Anyway, um, he says on that one, the hosts agreed with each other. That the monk class does not belong in D&D. They just don't feel that it fits. Fair enough. But it got me wondering, do others agree with that? Are there other classes, races, or species that you, Sean and Brett, would not include in games they appear in? Related, I think monks are fine, especially as one can reskin words like key or whatever if they're not campaign appropriate. Hmm. So, Sean, apart from George's uh, promiscuity across listening to other podcasts, which we'll just have to learn to get over, um, any initial thoughts on monks in general for 5e?
0: Got to unmute myself. I, I, they've never bothered me because I always think of. Kung Fu. If
1: you go back through the old Dragon magazine literature, and uh, p- there are people who hate the monk, doesn't fit, doesn't fit, doesn't fit, doesn't fit. Yeah, I don't. I'm just saying it, it's I, I, it, it's out there. When he says, "Are do others think that?" And yes, they absolutely do. And yeah, George, I am just giving you shit about the podcast thing, dude. Obviously, yeah,
0: they did, did. I could see why. I mean, I if somebody came up to me and said, "I don't want wizards in my game. I don't. I don't think they belong," or um, clerics clerics or whatever I mean that's cool I don't I, I, that's fine to me I don't see a problem with them but I understand why people may may not think they gel with the setting that they're running that's fine you know yeah it's that's, kind of this is with anything in role-playing games yeah, this yeah. Is really 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 anything and kind of the message on the last episode um, not really but if you want to play with monks play with monks if you don't want to play with monks don't play with monks Correct. Hey, you know. But if you're in a game where one person wants to play with a monk and one person doesn't. Well, I mean, you,
1: you look at people who have read like hardcore appendix and stuff like our friends over at appendix N book club. And um, there really are no clerics in appendix N. um swords and sorcery clerics, spellcasters are all sorcerers, wizards, warlocks. Witches, things of that nature. The clerics are just priests that are trying, you know, they really don't have any power. Anybody with any real magical power is a sorcerer, sorceress, wizard, witch, warlock type of thing. So there are people um, who, in looking at quote unquote pure appendix N type of fantasy, would say, no, you shouldn't even have clerics. That doesn't even make sense if you're going to emulate that thing. So I think. Sean, what you're saying is much what I just said, or exactly what I just said. It depends what you want to emulate in your game. Yeah. What's the setting going to do? Does it right. fit?
0: And and if it doesn't fit, is that why you put them in there? Ah.
1: Yeah, just to break it up a bit. Yeah. I mean, like in my Avalon game, I don't have tieflings, Tiflings, I don't
0: have dragonborn. I don't have that stuff. Right. Yep. Don't have sorcerers either. But hey, there you go. There you go. Scott a house Murray from Facebook. Hi guys. Thanks for all the fun. Listen in every episode. Now, is there any chance you guys can do an episode on starting and running a con? So, uh, Scott got quite a bit of feedback. Actually, Chris Long was one of the folks that chimed in a few others as well. Uh, hopefully he's got a little bit more meat to, to follow up on, but if you want to chime in, I'll have a link to his conversation. I floated the idea from my local area and a person pretty much said it wouldn't work. The area is obsessed with D and D and nothing else will get run. They have tried at other cons and have DMS with no players as players refuse to play their game and only want D and D apparently players could even sign up for a game and dump it as soon as they saw a D and D table free. So yeah, would love to hear your thoughts.
1: So Scott, I would need to know more about the area and what you mean by that. How big is that space? So in my hometown at Evercon, It's a very D&D heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely D&D. So what a number of my game masters at the Con have learned is that someone will walk up because we don't charge for We charge to get in, but we do not charge for games unless it's a special event tournament or something. Um, Someone will walk up and say, hey, I'm interested in your game. I'd like to sign up for it. Um, What is it? It's like D&D, but instead of X, I do Y. Oh, it's like D&D, but it's modern with horror elements called Cthulhu. Oh, sure. I'll try that. That phrase, for whatever reason, at Mycon for a number of the locals who are not big into trying different things, like, oh, it's like D&D, except you use percentiles, huh? I'll try that. I I don't know why, but that works. And that's kind of that environment. So, Scott, I need to know a little bit more in, from where I said before, I wouldn't hand out too much advice. Um around why what's the obsession is it like 20 people's and 100 people and the other component too is depends on advertising and where you're playing to draw your players from the other thing i do is i do leverage people like Kevthulu and other folks <coughs> excuse me who i know who are willing to run other games who are friends of mine and i warn them like look I want this con to have more than just D anD D. Would you, uh, lovely men and women, be happy to uh, run a game? And you might not get a lot of players. You know, might not have any. But I would just love to have you there to talk to people about games and so forth, and see if we can get more people interested. And yeah, they do. They'll play Cth- uh, Cthulhu's getting a bigger, bigger hold at Evercon con and so forth. And some of it just comes down to having game masters who are willing to pimp their games, push them, get people interested, and so on. And, uh, yeah, D&D is a huge fucking draw. There's no way around it. But anyway, as uh, Sean said, there was plenty of other advice and ideas on our Facebook page around this one. But uh, I think we could pull together potentially an episode around it. I think this might be another one to bring um, Alex Kammer back in for if he's got time. Or maybe even a couple other folks might grab um, Sean Gilgo or somebody from QCC and just ask them some questions too. But anyway, I think we could, uh, Scott, I think we could pull something together for you. We'll add that to the topic bucket. All right, <clears throat> let's see here. Roger of House Bracelet. Oh, and Scott, thank you very much for the question. That's a damn good question. So it goes in the, in the topic bin. Roger of House Bracelet says, "Online gaming, Tomb of Annihilation. Sean, why aren't you using Hangouts? Have you actually had problems with Hangouts yet, or are you just worried about them?"
0: I don't know if they're going to be around forever, but they're around
1: right now. I think would be Rogers. I, I guess.
0: I guess. And then I'll I'll have to change in a month or two when Google nukes them. If they nuke them, I I heard they are. Like, I I don't know. I mean, Google Plus isn't here. Feet Reader isn't here. What else have they nuked? No, okay.
1: No, I mean, fair.
0: I mean, I don't trust those guys. I mean, here's my humble opinion with Google. Screw Google. (laughs) They're good. They're good for search. They're good for search. Thanks, Google. All the documents we use? You know, I sometimes worry. Yeah. They they're probably they're not going to get rid of Google Docs. I can't imagine they would. There, there's way too many people vested in that. But man, I I hmm. And Hangouts is okay.
1: So I think the question is are you worried this going to happen tomorrow or are you worried that in 5 years because there's no way in hell your Tomb of Annihilation online game is going to last 5 years or 3 I'm, years or I a have, year. I
0: I have yet to see where they have stated that they are not going to get rid of, rid of Hangouts. I've seen where they have stated that they are and that you would only get it when you pay for G suite. Okay. But I don't trust those assholes with this stuff anymore. So Sean
1: has trust issues ever since G plus went away.
0: I I do, man. And G plus was like the nail in the coffin for me. Like I don't, you know, fine if they want to get rid of it, but they've gotten rid of so much crap that people have really valued. But so, and I don't know the qualities on hangout. Sometimes it's hit or miss. Okay. I figured fair. Discord is, as far as I know, unless they're owned by somebody else that I'm not do you, aware do you pay, of. Do you
1: pay for Discord?
0: I don't pay for Discord, but I would be willing to. Okay. I would so, be pay. I would. I would pay for Zoom if it, if I knew I needed to. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's the trick, right? Everybody. If you don't pay for it, then
1: uh, it's hard to get your money
0: back when you <laughs> complain. Is. Goddamn free service. Yeah, I get it. But huh. see, I figured Google and G Plus would have. Made that to leverage some type of revenue stream. Obviously, they Fail. either didn't, or right, or failed, or they didn't know how to execute on it. I don't know. I think it's the latter. But, anyways, that's the reason, Roger. All right, fair enough. Yeah. So Roger, uh, Sean has trust issue Services
1: G Plus collapse
0: I'm not even willing. I'm not even willing to buy uh, an Android phone, man. I just don't like. All the products that Apple has ever made. I'm, this is going to get into a pissing contest. I don't want to ruffle people's feathers, but that's All just right. the way I feel. Damn it.
1: Fair enough. All right. Your feelings are legitimate. No, oh, they're wrong, but they're legitimate. As wrong I as have they feelings.
0: Are. My feelings I, are not wrong. I oh, have them. Oh, you have them. I
1: have them. Uh, I don't know
0: if they're are they wrong. Can you have wrong? Can you have wrong feelings, Sean? No, I. Well, you could have. Bad, wrong feelings, I guess. I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> this, is, this podcast is going off from Sean. Read the one from Chris
0: of House Steel, would you? Chris of House Steel. Hello, gentlemen. To add more fuel to the random character versus point by conversation, Ooh, for, me, for me, I just can't get attached to a char- character I'm literally rolling up. They feel like throwaway characters.
1: You can need to use the safety pins, Chris, and you connect them to your shirt. Safety atta- pins? A- attachment.
0: Oh,
1: come on, Gus, dude. Yeah, where's, where's, oh, oh, here it is. Oh, (laughs) Oh, oh,
0: oh. sorry. Sorry, there's there's the band.
1: Sorry, dad jokes. Uh, All right,
0: carry on. They feel like throwaway characters. I guess this works well with funnel type gameplay, but the idea of building a character just to watch it die in the first session or two seems pointless. This style of play is actually what kept me from playing D&D for the first three editions. Well, okay. I could see that. Brett and I grew up when it was like a magic (laughs) user at two hit points. Or one. Yeah. God. Again, I look back at some of those games and can't believe I bought bought and paid for them and played them. That's because we didn't play them the way they were written, dude. (laughs) Nobody did. That's Not what I knew anyway. I'm sure somebody somewhere was but anyway carry on on. My D&D origin story 1985 11 year old Chris Rolls up first level thief First level thief walks into the first room In the dungeon and triggers a trap First level thief is dead within the first Five minutes of play 11 year old Chris watches everyone else play For the next four hours and thinks Fuck D&D And goes and picks up a champion's book Chris you had a bad Dungeon master dude Yeah
1: should have been, not not that you're dead, but like, all right, here, make another character.
0: Get you in as soon as you're done.
1: Yeah, get a get character. You will whoop you in there. He'll get you. And hey, 11-year-old Chris, language. Right. Come on. Easy. God. The steel Easy. Pa- the steel parents.
0: I mean, come on. Good Lord. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what D- the fuck, man? Would- no, no, no
0: parent would be cussing like that shit. Dane oh, would- wait. No. Says me. <laughs> Carry on. Once they fixed the random problem in 4th edition, I was hooked on D&D. 4th just felt more balanced to me. Fine, fine, overbalanced and board game-like, but it let the players be heroes, and that was cool. Now 5th is much better than 4th and provides a happy middle ground, but any campaign IDM still always uses the non-random organized play rules for character creation and leveling. That is to say, point-by stats and no random rolls for hit points. As for inspiration in D&D, I just can't get into the mindset to give it out. And even if I do, I find the players tend to avoid using it since they can only have one. So they hoard it. So in my current campaign, I'm trying this. At the campaign, uh, or at the beginning of a session, I give the group inspiration equal to the number of players. Anyone can spend them as normal to gain advantage as long as the group agrees. But I also add a Benny... Like options, so they can spend them after the roll to roll again. But that doesn't count as having advantage, it's just a re-roll. In our last session, one character spent all four to keep rolling on one check until he succeeded. The emotional roller coaster of watching four fails in a row and then a success had everyone cheering. It's inspired me to keep using this system going forward. Chris. Oh. I like that idea. Uh that's similar to what Sean and I brought up
1: around light side, dark side points, right? They're a pool that the entire table gets to use. I like that idea. I like that. And yeah. and uh Chris speaking weren't giving shit uh to Sean about his feelings being uh non legitimate. No, dude, if that what you what Chris describes up there around fourth, the way he likes the balance, the way he liked the heroic approach and so forth, legit, man. Not my style, but that's totally fine. You know, it doesn't, um, DD 4E. I've played it. I was not, I did not like it very much, but that was me and that was then. And i positive if Chris were to say, Hey, Brett, I'm going to run D&D. We're going to play fourth edition. I'm like, I've, I, Chris is a cool dude. He's a good game master. I'd sit down and play with Chris. And, um, I, I think, again, that's why there's so many different games out there so many different gaming styles. And as long as people do as Chris does and say, Man, I just don't like that. I like this other thing better. I want to play this way. And, don't shit on each other for preference, I think we'll all get along just fine. thank you, Chris. Good stuff, man
0: yeah, thanks, Chris.
1: Oh, and uh, kiss the baby for me. He's adorable,
0: yeah, what do we say hugging hug- hugging babies, kissing.
1: Kissing and wives? No, don't do no, that. Don't Wrong do idea. That. Don't that's do that. that. That's that's a, that's, that's how you get shot. Right. All right. So next up, we've got uh, um. Let's see, Voldemort. He, who shall not be named. Voldemort. All right. Wishes to uh, wishes to throw a little something from a real world example at us here. All right. Well, uh, in reference to two thirty nine, recovering from a bad game. I'm going through this right now. In fact, our close knit game group brought in two people that the DM works with, and things just aren't working out. Hmm. <clears throat> it's only been three sessions, about 10 hours apiece, but it's painfully obvious we are two different styles. The three of us, without the DM, have discussed over a next <laughs> Sunday night, over text Sunday night, kind of venting and wondering where we go from here. Then we slept on it and talked, it over, um, talked over Discord for about two hours last night on Tuesday. We're all on the same page and agree that this just isn't going to work, and we want to end it tactfully. The DM is a very close friend of ours. It's not him. It's them. I brought up to the party how this has been mentioned um, a bit on the podcast before. If the party doesn't work, why waste everyone's time trying to make it work? I hate to give up on a good campaign too early, but my time away from my wife and kids is precious to me. If we're making this a monthly thing, let's make sure we're all having fun. Uh, Dude, uh, absolutely. Amen.
0: You can't. It, we're too old for that shit. you well, got to spend your time where you enjoy it.
1: He's in. He's, he says two of his members drive over two hours one way to make it to that session. I've got a three-hour drive to my home crew. Yeah. Right? If I'm not having fun, fuck it. Anyway, he goes on. Anyway, I'm not trying to make this long-winded, but our biggest roadblock is how do we do this nicely while not hurting anyone's feelings? There's no good answer, of course. You just have to know the person really well. And since we're not just ending the game but also breaking up the new party and don't really want anything to do with these other two – we need to make sure it's clear what the reasoning is and what the outcome is that we hope for to all continue to play together and be friends, just minus the two others. This really isn't looking for advice or anything, but just wanted to bring it up as a real-world example of how listening to the podcast has kind of helped shape some of those decisions that I slash we make. We all, um, we are all getting to the point in our lives where we don't want to put up with any of that shit, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to do what's right for the good of the group and break it up if need be.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, Voldemort. No,
1: it's good stuff. I think it's very, as we said, Sean, it's real world, as he says, and it's a son of a bitch. He's got people driving (laughs) two hours one way. Like I said, I drive three hours a game with my crew. It's a long way to go, and it's a big time away from my wife and kids is precious. Time away from your wife and uh, the stuff you've got going, Sean, that's precious too. I mean, hey, we're going to get together and go do this thing. Did you have fun? No, the game kind of sucked. I got some people who are assholes, or the game master is no good. Why are you still going? Yeah, you got to. And I know it sucks. and I know it's uncomfortable. But how much does it suck and is uncomfortable that you were freaking miserable for 10 hours? Right. He's doing once a month long session for him like I do. Eight to 10 hours. If it's miserable for 10 hours. Jesus. You know, if that was your job, you'd look for a new one. <laughs> right. So this is your fun. Look for a new look for a new group to have fun with. Anyway, over to you, Sean.
0: All right. Jason of House R. Hey, guys. I'm helping Pellegrin Press run games at Game Hole this year. I would like to extend the invitation to Brett and many of your listeners. GMs will get swag, coupons, and a free adventure. I will place a post on MeWe for anyone that's interested, but feel free to forward my contact info to anyone who you th- think might be interested. Thanks, and keep up. The awesome work, Jason. So I know Jason; he's a friend of mine out of the Twin Cities. Um, really?
1: Oh, oh Jason? That yeah. Jason? I know yep. Jason. Oh, fuck yeah! Yep. Okay, I was
0: going to ask you if you knew. All right. Yeah. So if you are interested in running any, if you're a Pal Grand Press fan and would like to run games at Gamehole Con and want to get some swag from Pal Grand Press, let us know and we'll put you in touch with Jason. Just say, "Hey, pass me
1: Jason. Pass me Jason's contact info. I could probably run one." Okay. I mean, it'd be four games, but what the fuck? Why not? i want wow. run a trailer, Cthulhu, something.
0: Black's uh, Knights, of Black Agents would be kind of cool, but yeah, I don't know yeah, that one as well. I don't know either. Okay, that's Jason. So if no, you want, seriously to, though, hook, hook me up, dude. So if you want to get the in on that, send us your email to gamingnbs at gmail.com. Say hey, I want to, I want to get, I want to run games under Pallet Press, and forward my info to Jason, and we'll do that. Sweet. Yeah. All right. So,
1: oh, what do we got next? Oh, Crimfan's back. All right. Crimfan comments on meta currencies. Inspiration doesn't work super well in 5e because it's not actually integrated into the game. The designers just grafted it on and essentially provided no hooks in the game system to make use of it. it kind of bardic inspiration, he said weakly. Um, that was an aside. Back to Crimfan. It's the equivalent of painting flames in the side of the family sedan. I also don't like it because it creates a lot of flaw whoring for inspiration, which is annoying. And sometimes people get sulky when they feel they've, that something that deserved inspiration didn't get it. It also adds to the DM burden. So, yeah, I'd say i uh, I'd say it was a natural one on the part of the Watsy staff. They were so daft about it they <coughs> that they named the class feature Bardic Inspiration the same thing. I tried the crazier color D20 trick, but that failed. advantage really isn't all that great either. It doesn't help characters who really need it all that much, and the way inspiration works, by the by, is that you don't get re-rolls, you have to declare its use in advance. Correct. By contract, threat and momentum from Modiphius' 2D20 games like Star Trek Adventures, Conan, John Carter, etc. is very well integrated into the game. It's very much a part of how the game runs. Everyone understands it pretty fast and plays very well, though it kind of reads strangely. You guys are a bit off on how it works, though it differs from game to game somewhat. Momentum is generated by the PCs while threat happens when PCs roll complications, or have to press their luck and accept threat to succeed at a cost. One thing that's really useful about threat and momentum is the fact that it's not used for XP, unlike character, points, bennies, etc., in many other games such as Bennies and Savage Worlds. So there are zero incentives to hoard... You generate momentum and want to spend it fairly quickly, and there are lots of reasons to take threat, which creates the kind of swingy ebb and flow of pulp source material. I did make inspiration system that works like threat momentum, which I'll post separately. Very cool. Good lord. So we've got, let's see, good and ill fortune is what Krimfan had put together. Party start T session with three good fortune dice. This is sounding a bit like Chris, uh, short, uh, Chris Steele's idea up above. There are d 6s that can be rolled for any ability, attack, or saving throw, but before, that, before the roll is resolved. Ordinarily, only one die can be rolled, but another can be rolled by pressing your luck. This adds an additional D6 to the roll, but at the cost of an ill fortune die. In addition, if there is no good fortune, one can be taken, but this adds a die to the ill fortune pool. Ill fortune functions exactly like good fortune, but is used to reduce the PC's roll by the value shown on the die or cancel out a good fortune die. Ill fortune die is rolled by the affected PC player. This is for players who have major dice superstition. <laughs> I try to award good fortune for having a good idea that pushes the session forward, doing something that helps the party, such as helping a fallen comrade, or for a particularly good pass of role-playing. The main thing is that this is a group resource, so I'm not awarding it to anyone in particular. I aim to hand out three per session. At the end of the session, any unspent good fortune resets back to three. Ill fortune reduces by one and carries over to the next session. So there's no initiative incentive excuse me, to hoard, but some danger to building up a lot of ill fortune. So that does sound a bit like uh, Mr. Castile's idea. A bit of a twist on it. I like it. That's cool. Uh, this is, if I read that and someone went, what, what? That's fine. Look in the show notes, and you'll have the full verbal description from CrimFan so you can understand better than my poor reading of it. But CrimFan, thank you, as always, for your well-thought-out ideas and uh, rules approaches there. So that's good stuff.
0: Yeah, thanks, CrimFan. Over to you, Sean. Peter of House Isaacs left us some feedback. Hello, gents. A few things. First, I wanted to say thank you for the podcast. It got me to focus on something else during the hardest time of my life. I've listened to almost all of your episodes. Unlike Star Wars, I started from the beginning.
1: Hey, thanks, Peter, and, and a Star Wars slam. That's that's good for me. I well, like that.
0: You know. <laughs> Secondly, I wanted to say that Sean is always right about everything. What the fuck I- is that? Not what it says, Brett. I didn't. Re- I didn't make that uh, up.
1: I want. I don't
0: see. <laughs> I should add, you read this one uh, No, no, What I need
1: I need Peter to email me Specifically offline and tell me That's what he really said Now I'm wondering if the, somebody's been stirring the something Whatever You might have to send
0: Peter a little little something something Thirdly, You didn't already pay him for that I did not Thirdly, I have purchased Call of Cthulhu On drive Through solely based on how you guys Rant and rave about it And yes, I purchased it through the link On your website Gonna start trying to learn this new system. Very oh cool. man, dude, you're just something else, man. Thanks, dude.
1: Well, good on you, Peter. Even if even if you read through it and um, you're like, wow, I tried it, man, that didn't work. I'll try it again. You know, you you're gonna learn a lot by yeah. reading through it and just dig- uh, delving into that game system. It's it's a damn good game.
0: And lastly, per episode eleven, gaming stores. My wife won't go with me to any of them anymore. When Holy she walked shit. in walked into this last store in Phoenix everyone was looking at her like she was a goddess which she is. Well they I would have probably phrased it a different way. Like I'm sure they were looking at her because she was like a goddess but it probably felt for well, her it, something it, else. They're probably drooling and like look, right. looking like a bunch of fucking mouth breathing morons. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. That and the fact that the store probably has never been vacuumed or dusted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they, and they're store. so busy during the day when nobody's in there. I know um, that she, that, Oh, I'm sorry. That and the fact that the store probably number. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. The one cool thing that happened in the store was that the cashier had blessed my dice as I paid for them. That or he cursed them. Thanks. And keep it up, Peter. <laughs> um, So she will hopefully appreciate last episode on with Paige. Yeah, um, I
1: it's it's dude. I just from a raw customer service perspective, you're running a store that's open to the public. For God's sakes, yeah. Well, you know, it's yeah. It's like walking into a fraternity, right? Sometimes and just dumb all around.
0: Not all. It's not all game stores. Some are clean. For those that are awesome game stores, thank you for being awesome.
1: You know, I'll tell you what, folks. If you live in a town and you have an amazing kick-ass game store, Sean and I have talked about, um, um, oh, my God, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm bored. Yeah. Great game shop. <clears throat> I know there's other good ones out there. If you know of them, feel free to post. Um, send us an email. Yeah, send us, us an on... email
0: who they are, where they are, and why yeah. are they're awesome.
1: Yeah, I would love to pimp that shit. If nothing else, just on the webpage, we might be able to show on just an idea off the top of my head here. Maybe we have a list of, hey, you know, l- listeners-supported shops, just something. Because I'll tell you, man, good game stores, when you find them, they're fucking awesome. And sometimes they're uh, they're like unicorns. So if you've got one, let us know. It'd be cool. Yeah. We can pass the word around.
0: Sorry to sorry to hear the news. Uh, pass along the sorry to your wife. Um, yeah. Hopefully, well, I don't know if she I don't know if she games or not. If she's a gamer, um, not that that matters, but hopefully she games and that hasn't turned her off from gaming. Yeah. Good lord. So, all right. <clears throat> Let's see.
1: James is writing back in, and uh, dear BNS, I enjoy your podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time and effort invested into making a podcast. We all appreciate it. I was wondering if you really think it would be worth discuss- discussing how to scale a DD and d game when you only have two players. Recently, I left my original D&D group because of a to- toxic masculinity being exhibited within the group. Too many of the players wanted to min-max their characters, and many of them enjoyed arguments about rules and rules application. Since leaving the group, I started running 5e D&D, game for just two players. It's been a blast, but as they go up in levels, I'm beginning to realize the challenge of only two players in team. During a battle, if one goes down, the battle can really go south really quick. Nerfing the monsters at high levels can make the monster seem less monsterly. I was wondering if you guys have any Sage or Tarragon advice on how to scale encounters when your party is small, two to three players. One thing I've been doing is reducing the number of legendary actions a boss opponent can have, reducing the number of minions, but it seems to dilute the fights just too much. I've added an NPC to the team Cover skills slash abilities that they're lacking, but it often feels like I'm invoking a deus ex machina element to the game. An NPC can outshine the player. Not cool. Maybe there's not a perfect solution, but I appreciate your thoughts on the matter. Oh yeah, I took up your advice and bought the massive Narlathota gamer prop set. Gamer prop. Oh my god. Ten years from now, when I retire and run this game, this shit better be awesome or I'll be leaving incoherent Alzheimer's-soaked ramblings in your voicemail. <laughs> Best regards, James.
0: Yes, the nice. circle is complete, James.
1: You know, that is a damn good topic idea, James. We've not talked about small form or small group gaming because not a lot of groups, there are some groups, out, some games out there that are specifically designed Gumshoe One-to-One, um, Hour Between Dog and Wolf, and there's a couple others that are one-on-one. But I was just running uh, AD&D for my two kids. Yesterday was when AJ's character died. And um, there's a couple different ways around that, especially in the D&D space. But I think that's definitely a good topic. So I will add that to the topic list. Thank you, James.
0: Well, James, you're going to be in luck, buddy, because the D&D Essentials that they're going to be releasing in Target stores throughout the nation is going to offer some rules for small parties. Nice. Yep. So in case you weren't aware, um, there is a... I think it's, um. I don't know if it's sidekicks or it's going to be like one-on-one D&D, if I'm not mistaken, that's going to be able to, that it's going to facilitate. Cool. But we'll have a link in the show notes uh, to an article on IGN about that, because I think they mention it specifically. Um, well, some of the stuff is like, you know, do I need a new, it's
1: like advice, ideas, tricks, tools of the trade, and then there's also how do I make it? know if there's nothing official if you're not using an official mechanic or official rule set that does the thing how do you modify what you already have what everybody knows and loves right um
0: there it is cool the kit includes new rules variant for one-on-one play where dm and one player can run dragon of ice spire peak which is the adventure inside the new starter set using sidekick rules to fill out a party with non-player characters
1: So, basically, that's henchmen and hirelings. Just name something cool now. Yeah, man.
0: Anyway, we'll talk about it, James. I've got that in the list. Thank you, sir. John from House Coward writes in about TPK. Hi, Brett and Sean. I dig your podcast, as always, but I am compelled to write after listening to the episode on TPKs. After 40-plus years of playing RPGs, I decided to run my first con game last February never too late. Very
1: cool. Very cool.
0: I was motivated in no small part by both of your positive and upbeat attitudes on running con games. I had never run a game for people I didn't know and know well at that. To say the least, I was curious as to how well my style would work for other people. For my first con outing, I ran a dread scenario set on a cruise ship. As you might have guessed, everyone died. Eh, what are you going to do? You're playing dread, dude. (laughs) When the uh, block tower falls... However, I think everyone had a great time, too. People who died nearly hung around to see how the game turned out. The last couple of characters could have lived through it, but decided to sacrifice themselves to ensure their loved one's safety. Uh, Thank you for the encouragement and keep up the great work. John Coward. K-Word. K-Word. Pronounced K-Word. Oh, man. Sorry, John. K-Word. Let's see. P.S. I would... I would love an episode on RPG magic items. Maybe something like what qualifies, uh, what qualities make a great RPG magic system or how can magic be made for fun, made fun for the non-magic users in group? PSS, I didn't say this earlier, it was my first TPK as well. Hey, look at that. John K. Word. all these damn. Uh, every. <laughs> now I got to go and edit the Patreon list at the end of every show that you're on, John. But thanks for correcting us. And awesome. Good for you, man, for stepping up and running a game. At a con. It's awesome. At and a you con. ran.
1: A, and you ran a game. I don't know if, and you didn't, he, John didn't say here, but let's assume one of those people had not played Dread before. People who died early hung around to see how the game turned out. Holy crap, people were interested, they had fun, and somebody somewhere was then exposed to a game they'd not played before, or maybe only heard about, right? And they had fun, and that's awesome. I mean, anytime people stick around to see how the game turns out, even if the characters are dead, John did a fine job, man. Very well done. Good work.
0: Cool, cool. <laughs> All right,
1: good lord, Kojo's back. <sighs> Steal myself, hang on, get a little bourbon here. <sighs> All right, Gojo. <clears throat> Kojo. At the risk of playing ping-pong response with Carson on the issue I'd previously asked about, I understand that Carson and I prefer different styles, so there really isn't a point to argue there, but I did want to provide some additional context to my original thoughts. One, I can't speak to mo- for more modern games than Five-Year Pathfinder, but in other games I'm familiar with, average stats like 11s do not handicap a character. It may make some things more difficult, but that doesn't mean the character is doomed. Even characters with some scores in the five to seven range are still very playable in all the games that I play, and I play some pretty deadly games: DCC, First Ed, AD&D, BX, Call of Cthulhu, etc. Often, number two, I often get a sense from talking to gamers who are much newer to the hobby than I am that there's an assumption that older games are somehow lesser. Games have certainly gotten more complex, and gaming theory has changed and evolved. But it would caution anyone to assume that old tropes and mechanics are in some way flawed, that they only hold onto them for nostalgia reasons. Three, to Carson's point about min-maxing resulting from players being denied the agency of doing things, <coughs> excuse me, not listed on the character sheet and are not being given a meaningful choice during character creation, I can't speak to other people's tables, but at my table this is not an issue. It is actually the opposite. Many older gamers lacked the detailed skills, feats, etc. that newer games have in them. Many older games, not gamers, excuse me, many older games lacked the detailed skills, feats, etc. that newer games have in them. If anything, this leads my players to have more agency about doing things not on their sheets. There are very few limits to what they can try. The odds of success may be uh, very based on what they are trying to do, what their ability scores are, etc. But they are free to try pretty much anything. Therefore, my players do not feel the need to min-max their PCs at the start of play because they understand that I will likely roll with what they bring me during the campaign. If anything, I feel my players have more overall agency than I would often hear about newer edition games.
0: Yeah, that's something important where I think is lost on some gamers that has been part of the min max piece of some of the other more tactical ones. Well, we've talked about skills before we had an episode on this
1: where I ran Lamentation of Flame Princess. I've run BX style games and I've had guys in my group without a character sheet with a full list of skills.
0: I don't know what to do. Well, not even that. No, um, well, not, some people stop. They don't know what to do without a list. No, but what I'm talking about is the fact that you got to have an 18 to do anything, or you got to have a score oh. with a modifier to do anything. You don't. Uh, got it, you don't got it. Got it. The, you don't need. It, what Kojo is saying is, I uh, and I understand completely. Is an 11 is not a bad score. A nine is not a bad score. It'll modify maybe one or two skills in 5e, but if it's if it if that piece is not specifically applied to a mechanic in a negative manner, then who gives a shit if it's an eight, five, six, four, it doesn't matter. So if you play it that way, right? I'm saying in back in the day that there are maybe a couple of skills like fighter wanted damage into hit. So their strength was always going to be high.
1: Yeah. If his, int- if his intelligence is low, he doesn't have any extra languages. If his wisdom is yeah. low. He doesn't get a slight oh, bonus. Oh, he doesn't speak another
0: gross. language. Who gives a rat's ass back then, right? Yeah. So the con may come into play, but other than that, it doesn't, they didn't have skills. So it wasn't like, well, if I have a low here and low this and a low that, then all my skills suck and I can't do anything, which is not the case. And that's what they fixed in 5e anyway, 5e, you get an ability check, it's an ability check, and then your skill modifies it essentially, right? So you make a, a dexterity acrobats check. Well,
1: back in the day, if you made an ability check, it was roll under the, under the number usually my yeah. experience. Right. And now, because higher is better, and now it's against the DC, the difficulty class or whatever or the challenge, whatever you want to call it, is make a dex check, make, so, make a wisdom check, make a this check, which is basically, but add your acrobatics if you have it, great. Right. But the is 20. Ah, fuck.
0: Uh, right? eh. I've yet to have a DC 20. Oh, wow. Well, you don't play with me enough. 5E? Um, you have a DC 20 and 5E. Fuck yeah. I mess with people all the time, dude. Dude, you, you're. You know, I guess
1: what, that's you crazy you, high. Yeah, you oh. don't know what they are trying to do.
0: That's true, but I'm, <laughs> you made it sound like you have them every day. No, what I'm
1: saying oh. is, that, what I'm saying is, those things are out there, right? You have DC levels, and I'm not talking about the 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 frequency of a DC difficulty. What I'm saying is, I'm backing you up. Okay, I'm backing you up. It's just a it's a skill check, and there is. Oftentimes, a feeling that if you have a you have a skill that has a negative in it, I suck. That does hit some players. I only have a three, I blow. I only have an eight, I suck. I've got a negative. I only have a plus zero. I'm terrible at this. It does happen. Now, that doesn't mean that, I mean, what Kojo is saying is that he can't speak for other tables, which is absolutely true. He can't. And I can tell you that I have played with people who without who don't know how to or want to, I guess. I shouldn't say don't know how to, because that's too strong. They don't want to play without a list of skills. They don't. And which is why the gamer gods made many games. Anyway, we got one more point here. Number four. Finally, I think there's an assumption by some gamers that their fighter isn't significantly different from their friends on paper and that it isn't fun to play, per Carson's example of fighter six versus fighter seven. But on my table, I'm going Going back to my beginnings in the hobby, it was never looked at in that manner. Two players roll characters with similar stats, and both have a strength of fourteen as their best score, and they both probably would take fighters based on their stats. However, they'd also have then had have significant agency to make their fighters unique and very different from each other simply through character bits they developed during the campaign. For example, Chris's fighter would now buy a bow and have a background as a hunter, giving him more some advantage in certain situations with a bow over Tom's fighter. Tom may choose to have his fighter be more barbarian who likes to smash things and charge in the melee. The point is, at my table, you could give all my player characters with the same stats, the same class, and each player would make that character their own, and my campaign choices and mechanical rulings would give them an amazing amount of agency in making their characters their own without having to do it at the character creation before they've gotten a whiff of what's going to happen in the campaign. Hope that clarifies some things. Thanks, DM Kojo.
0: Yeah, I I also, on that on, on that bit, too and I know Brett and I, Brett's talked about some of his group, wanting to play a different system so that they could be different based on the build. Yeah. And I, and I would say, if you took all of Game of Thrones and everybody that wielded a sword, are they all different? I don't watch Game of Thrones, dude. I don't know. I mean, Vikings. Any show with a people wielding swords. That's how they
1: all, fight. It's who they are. Yeah, they're, they're all, different. all different. They're all different. They're all different
0: people. They're all different... Um, but so to, to t- t- say, like, one fighter is the same over the other just because they have the same stats. Is- but I think to
1: go back to Carson's point, though, Carson very clearly said, this is not my type of jam. This is I prefer this other stuff. I don't like this feeling. Sure. I like this other thing. And I think I've met Kojo. I've talked to Kojo. Nice guy. Reasonable dude. He'd be like, you know, I <sighs> not my gig. Nah, it's just, that's not my kind of fun. I like this other kind of fun. And I think. The danger any of us get into, and this is, put, put Carson and uh, Kojo aside, the danger any of us can get into is when we say someone is having bad, wrong fun one way or another. The game you're playing has no agency. The game you're playing doesn't allow for X. You're only doing that. This is unbalanced, blah, blah, blah. If they're having fun, and I know some people get off on this, too. And they'll get pissy because they'll say if you're having fun, that's good enough. But honestly, if you're not gaming to have fun, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right? So. If Carson's saying, look, man, I get Kojo, I just can't have – I don't think I would have fun doing that. I'm just – it's not my thing. I've looked at it. Doesn't turn my crank at all. Carson, awesome. Totally cool. Kojo's like, you know, I just don't want to do that newer thing. It just doesn't – I have all this fun over here. Awesome. I told AJ, my youngest son, the other day, I said – he was asking me about different games and if I had my eye on something new. And I said, you know what, AJ, I'm getting very picky about the games I buy. Dark Trails from our buddy Dave Beatty. Not just because he's our buddy, but I've played it, I like it, and I don't have a Western. I would really like a weird West game. I think it'd be fun. I looked at Deadlands, did not enjoy the rule set. Um, So, hey, this looks cool. But my larger point is that Sean and I each have enough games in our collection right now between PDFs and hardcovers. I never need to buy another game again. Ever. Ever. One of the main reasons I think often (laughs) we'll hunt for a game because, oh, we really think this looks cool. We really think whatever. But at the end of the day, sometimes the reason we end up buying new games is because I don't have them to play with. If I want to play face-to-face, I'm like, I really want to run a BX game. I want to run Osric. I want to run first edition AD&D. I want to run Star Frontiers. I don't have anyone who has it, knows it, understands it, or wants to learn it. Okay, um, I'll buy the Star Trek game because there's gamers I know and like who I want to play that with. But I think there's there's so much different there's so many different types of fun. Kojo's type versus Carson's type, and it's not even versus; they're just different flavors of both having a good time and ensuring that they feel that they have maximum agency, they have the maximum ability to kick some serious ass at the table. And if you found a groove that really works for you, that's oh, awesome. Stick with it as long as you can. And, you know, you could try new stuff. I've talked to Kojo. He'd try something. If I say, hey, I want to, I want you to try this Avalon gamer running 5e, he'd be like, all right, not my thing, but I got time. Sure, I'll sit down. I'll try it out with you. I'll play. No, and he, he'd have fun. I know he'd have fun. He might walk away going, yeah, I really wish you would have ran it with BX though. I'd have had more fun with that. <laughs> it's just whatever. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. But I think, um, good comment, um, back from Kojo just kind of, level set. And I think even Carson's perspectives, not even, that sounds like I'm dismissive of you Carson. I apologize. But I think Carson's perspectives are valid too. You know, that's just not the type of fun that he likes or prefers. And that's absolutely legit. Sean, anything from you?
0: No, I just, I, I think that there's such more room for, I I don't know why some people get caught up with certain things. I guess that's their jam, which is fine, but I just, um, and I also think it's the type of game you're playing. If you're running BX and the abilities aren't that big a deal where they are maybe in a Pathfinder game, you know, I get it. As a matter of fact, I would almost go to say that Pathfinder's built for min-maxing. You want a min-max? Play Pathfinder. Well, fuck yeah, dude. That's what you do. That's the whole thing. Not the whole thing, but... There's a, they have a book on it.
1: Right, well... Yeah. They they do. They have an yeah. entire hardcover book dedicated to making the best character possible.
0: You know, I mean, and that's okay. But then you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Then it would suck to have an 11. Yeah, it would. Oh, yeah, I, I got an 11. Well, again, I think... <laughs> it's like an average score. Yeah. I think yeah. Brett and I are uh, like an 11.
1: 10. Um, for, for 9 for intelligence, uh, 2 for charisma. <laughs> it depends on the day yeah. if I've had my coffee. Um. No, it's... I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth. Newer games, I don't even know how that's defined anymore. Um they've got there's some really cool shit out there. I'm like, wow, that's really neat. Oh, I like that, I like this, I like that. I have three different versions of Call of Cthulhu on my shelf. I really don't even need the new one. I can play fifth edition Call of Cthulhu until I die or go insane or both. And it would be fine. No one would as long as I've got players. And I think um like I said I, I don't know if, if you found a jam you really like it stick with it you know and the only thing that would probably draw people away from a jam that they really really like is they can't find anyone to play with but again there's a golden age of gaming if you don't if you're not afraid to game online you're not worried about it you're willing to try it go and you'll find somebody out there who's gonna run that old game I could go out there right now and say hey I'm gonna run star frontiers on roll 20 i I would get a full table I'm positive so anyway Good Lord, dude. Yeah. going? I think we might have to skip the topic. What do you think? think uh, we yeah, we, we could skip it if we'll we want. We'll have to move it. We'll
0: have to move it we out. We can move it out to the next one. Yeah, we'll have to do that. All right, let's get it. Okay, so next week we'll have uh, the topic, which we'll mention in just a second. But yes. let's get into die roll. There's a couple we can go through on this one. All right, so die roll dark trails from Dave Beatty. Check it out. I don't. When's the Kickstarter? Go till Brett. Um, let me double check. It's got I think like twenty seven days. it's Fully funded yet?
1: Oh yeah, totally funded. He only needed twelve. He's at twenty five thousand and eleven dollars as of right now. He's got twenty seven days to go. June sixteenth at eleven a.m. Central. It will stop. But yeah, go out there, take a look at it. If it's not your jam, you're like, eh. That's using DCC chassis, weird west. I already really like my Deadlands game. Eh, it's not my thing, love you, Dave. But yeah, you know, whatever, that's fine. But just drawing your attention to it, it's a cool thing. I backed it.
0: There we go. Um, well, that was a long vibration. Uh, Brett's appearance on the Appendix N podcast goes live tomorrow, the day after uh, we record this.
1: Yeah, so May 20th. So that's Monday. Oh, yeah, neat. You have that's to cool. listen to Brett talk about reading a book or a series of short stories
0: series of short stories yes uh custom 5e character sheets as seen on geek native you should check these out these things are crazy silly it's like the character sheet is an art piece i think it was is just, it yeah it's nuts like nuts good nuts phenomenal oh my god i just yeah. went to the link you have it's oh. crazy crazy oh, it's jesus cool. <laughs> And I think that like they can, like stare at that. You could stare at that fighter character sheet as well. Wow. They're doing it like for like a few bucks. I think on a Facebook page or something like that. The artists were. But anyways, check oh, that Lord, out. That's gorgeous. Yeah, you got to check that out. I think I posted pictures to our Instagram um, about these character sheets. D and D Essentials Kit. We briefly uh, mentioned it earlier. It's announced at D and D Live 2019, which is this just past weekend. There's an article on IGN that uh, talks about what it's going to be about. Um, it offers new one-on-one rules, 64 uh, page rule book dice, um, to include 2d 20s. And I think a few D sixes, uh, d sixes. So you could roll, uh, abilities, <laughs> go figure. And then you have 2d 20s for advantage and disadvantage. There's a new map, uh, scenario, um, that kind of takes on to the area of the, uh, Fen- which is in the starter set. Yeah, Dragon of Icefire
1: Peak is scalable characters levels one through six. Takes place the same location, Lost Mines of Fandalor. It's twenty five bucks at most Target stores in North America on June twenty fourth. Everywhere else, September third. There you 25 go. Twenty five bucks. Holy crap!
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So check that out when it comes out. Okay, Brett. So what are we talking about next week? Well, next week
1: we're going to talk about hindrances and flaws. You know, wait, hang on. Is Dave Beatty coming next week? Is that next week? Is he coming? Oh, I don't know. Is it in the calendar? It could be. It might be. I'll have to check. Hang tight. Hey, look, we're either going to talk Henderson's or Flaws, or we're going to have Dave Beatty on. It's either going to be Henderson's and Flaws or Western's? So we're going to find out. Okay. Because I knew we wanted to get him on. And uh, so Mr. Beatty is a fireman, firefighter, uh, professional, full-time. So we we're uh, going back and forth on times. Hey, we want to talk westerns. He's like, oh, that sounds really fucking cool. It'd be great. I said, when can you get on? He goes, well, here's my calendar. see all the ones that say active? Yeah. He goes, well, if I'm on and I get a call, I got to go. Like, well, that could be kind of fun (laughs) to hear the loud bell ringing, and then he just disappears. (laughs) But that might not be as much fun for him. So it'll be one of those two. I'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the feedback. Oh, it is. It's 26th. All right. So I guess we're talking to Dave next week. Yes, we are. Uh, thanks for everybody that's written in uh, and all everybody having an opinion and feedback and ways to play the game and sharing those ways. My name is Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tosaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan Lavalley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besore, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Coward, K-Word, John K-Word, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwiedel, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishin, or is it Wishon, or is it Wishon? Rich. Chad Gleyman, Finnolf, Mirko Froilich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, and Jeff Seifert. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingbscom forward slash support us. Thanks, BSers! This This has been been a Litterbox Studio Production. production.